honest. 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, my goodness. Intensity is not a perfume. Take that home run chain back. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Brandon Mortensen coming to you on a Tuesday, Ooh. not a Wednesday. We are two days away from opening day. Brendan, got a lot to do in the next 24 to 48 hours. So yeah. we uh, we thought we'd jump right in, get to a lot of news, and that start with some breaking news here. Lamar Jackson, trade request back on March 2nd. Your thoughts? I, you said breaking news and then Lamar Jackson, and I really thought that I was going to be missing an Adam Schefter tweet from the no. last, like, 30 seconds. But, yeah, I mean, a, kind of a, a shocker. A, a tough little stretch here for, for Baltimore sports fans with the Lamar yeah. Jackson trade request news. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are going to be talking baseball. We're not going to be talking any Lamar Jackson. This is a Lamar Haven podcast. So yeah. it, it, to avoid all that stuff, if you're if you're sick of it, I understand. We're here to talk baseball. Baseball's two days away. We have so much to discuss on this podcast as several final roster cuts. They won't call them final because they're still waiting for the roster cuts around the league to be made and the roster to be finalized in the next couple days. But sort of the final roster cuts of spring training were made. And uh, we're going to talk about a trade that the Orioles made. But first, Brendan, we should start off with a little bit of injury news. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Givens and James McCann, mm-hmm. both injured, both likely to start the year on the injured list, which really stinks. These were two significant offseason additions for the Orioles with Michael Givens. You know, the bullpen was one of the strengths, if not the strength, of the Orioles roster a season ago. And in Michael Givens, you were giving the Orioles a little bit more stability there. You had a lot of guys with unexpectedly great seasons, like Felix Bautista, Cianel Perez. Michael Givens was an established veteran arm that you thought would be able to come in and provide some more stability if the unproven bullpen arms wavered at all. And now probably your two most proven arms in the bullpen in Michael Givens and Dylan Tate have to start the year on the injured list. Most likely, and it's not confirmed yet that Givens will start the year on the injured list. But also, Michael I said it's nothing catastrophic. He thinks maybe even in the first half of April, Givens could return. It was a frustrating scene for him a couple days ago when he stopped his simulated game 10 pitches in and reportedly threw his glove against the wall uh, in frustration, dealing with a, a sore knee but it doesn't sound like there's anything majorly wrong. So we know Dylan Tate's going to be out for the entire month of April, but hopefully Givens will have a quick IL stay. Uh, we'll talk about how that kind of affects the roster in a bit, but you mentioned James McCann, who's dealing with an oblique. The McCann trade came with the built-in caveat that he has struggled with injuries, and there's a reason the Orioles were able to get McCann back in December from the Mets, and it was because McCann missed so much time last year with injuries. The production wasn't quite as good as he was expecting last year, and probably part of that was due to the injuries, and it appears injuries are already affecting his season. Now, he is over 30. He's, you know, older than some of the other catchers on this roster, so you can expect some natural injuries. Uh, It's keeping him healthy, which is going to be huge for the Orioles this year because a second catcher behind Adley Rutschman Yes, you're not going to play 120 games, 
but it's still a massively important position. Yeah, it is. And James McCann, a good veteran catcher, which is a really valuable thing in this league. He can work really well with a young pitching staff that the Orioles have currently constructed. And it's unfortunate that McCann now will not be able to get some of those reps in early with a lot of these young starting pitchers like Dean Kramer, like Kyle Bradish that we're going to see out of the gate. So it's just, it's tough because with McCann too, you don't want to mess around with an oblique injury. Yeah. Oblique injuries can be finicky. They can get a lot worse before they get better. So the Orioles want to slow play this a little bit. Not only is he important to have as a backup catcher, but his splits over his career are pretty good against left-handed pitching as well. The Orioles don't have a ton of options in terms of right-handed bench bats. We know they have Ryan McKenna, who's more than likely going to make this opening day roster, but he is more of a defensive replacement, a pinch runner, rather than a DH type of right-handed bat. Taron Vavra, Kyle Stowers, both left-handed bats as well. So James McCann was kind of your right-handed bat option off the bench that the Orioles now will not have to begin the year, more we than saw, likely. We saw Ramona Rios uh, struggle with an oblique injury last year in June, I believe, when they were on the road, and he missed some time. And it, it can be a tricky injury, like you said, Brendan. you got to be careful with it, and you can't push a guy who has an oblique injury because it can get worse with just a couple swings in the cage. And that's what it sounded like it was for McCann, was just he felt it swinging. The question is, who makes the roster if not McCann? If McCann does start on the injured list, as we expect, who is going to be the second catcher behind Adley Rutschman? Anthony Bemboom, Mark Colesbury? The Orioles didn't really invest a whole lot in that third catcher spot, assuming that McCann was going to be ready to go and be Adley's primary backup. But Adley can't start every day. He can't start behind the plate every day, certainly. Right. And so the Orioles might be relying on Bemboom like they did to start the year last year when they had Chirinos and Bemboom. Yeah, I think it's probably Anthony Bemboom at this point. The other unfortunate thing, you know, you have some waiver claims that are at AAA Norfolk. Outside of Adley Rutschman, you haven't really had a ton of success in terms of younger catching prospects. I mean, as of right now, you know, Maverick Hanley, Connor Pavoloni, they're not really close to the big leagues at this point. So it's kind of either Anthony Bemboom or Mark Colesbury for that backup catcher role right now, which isn't really ideal. I mean, both of those guys have had a cup of coffee in the bigs, but no sort of significant numbers like we saw from somebody like Robinson Chirinos last year. And the Orioles could still go out and acquire a catcher, as mentioned, as roster cups happen along across the league. I think Sandy Leone just got cut yesterday, so... Maybe they go ahead and bring him in. Gary Sanchez still hasn't been signed. Gary Sanchez still out there. I don't know if this is a, a role that he would still settle for because yeah. we'll see when McCann comes back. Uh, but the other thing is whoever you sign now who's outside the organization, unless they were overlapped on a previous team with some of these Orioles pitchers, they don't have the benefit of six weeks in spring training to have worked with these pitchers. So the timing of this injury is tough because if they throw somebody in there right now, two days before opening day, they won't have a whole lot of time to acclimate themselves to the pitching staff. So right. we'll, we'll see exactly what the Orioles choose to do as they react to the James McCann news. Uh, other than those two injuries, let's talk quickly about the other roster cuts before we get into the big one in Grayson Rodriguez. Franchi Cordero, Nomar Mazzara were both granted their release. They were both minor league signees in the offseason. Cordero was kind of a preferred signee. The Orioles, I think, 
went out and targeted him pretty quickly as soon as he was released. Yeah. Nomar Mazzara was added close to winter meetings, I think right around winter meetings. Now, Michael Elias didn't get into the specifics about their contracts, and there are various different types of, not all minor league contracts are created the same. There are some that have release causes. There are some that have options to be released and to explore the market. It sounds like, reading between the lines, these two guys had contracts that allowed them to, once they found out they weren't making this team, go out and explore the market and release themselves so that they didn't just have to report to AAA Norfolk. Right, and kind of unfortunate for Franchi Cordero is he had a really, really good spring. I mean, I know we don't read a ton into spring training numbers, but Cordero hit 413 with an OPS over 1,000, two homers, four doubles. Nomar Mazzara didn't have a great spring, hit just 231 with a 593 OPS. But I think the Orioles would really like to hang on to Franchi Cordero. He is good minor league depth. He is somebody that, you know, if the Orioles have an injury to a bench bat or uh, even a starter at the big league level, I think Franchi Cordero would probably be one of their first calls as a potential bench option at the big leagues. No more Mazzara. I don't know if the Orioles are hoping to hang on to as much, but he would still be decent triple A depth at that point. But Franchi Cordero, I wouldn't be surprised if he lands somewhere on a big league roster because he had an excellent spring and he doesn't crack the Orioles roster, which is unfortunate, but I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks a roster somewhere else. Yeah, he certainly showed a lot around spring, and, and he's probably hoping hoping that another team who just suffered an injury will go ahead and bring him in. I think of the Phillies who just lost Reese Hoskins. Maybe they choose to bring in somebody like that. The Orioles still do have some depth behind Mountcastle in the minor leagues that they were able to hold on to. Lewin Diaz, who was optioned several weeks ago, they Ryan have O'Hearn. Ryan O'Hearn, who stays in the organization, of course, on the big league roster. Taryn Vavra, Anthony Santander will serve as your primary backups at first base. But yeah, Cordero, I mean, there's a reason the Orioles were able to get him on a minor league contract, and it's because he had an opt-out clause, essentially, most likely. Right. So that he knew that he was going to be able to explore the market if he had a good spring like he did. All right, Brendan, should we talk about Grayson? Yeah, we've got it. Let's get into Grayson Rodriguez, who is not going to make this opening day roster. Something that we thought was a given several months ago. Not a Michael Gibbons, a given. Michael Michael Gibbons, if you will. Yeah. Here's the timeline for Grayson Rodriguez, if you recall. Was outstanding in AAA last year for the first couple months of the season. Then goes down with a lat injury, seemingly on the verge of being called up to the big leagues. Takes some time to recover, starts to work his way back up through the minor league system, gets three last starts in Norfolk, doesn't get the call up to the big leagues just because he ran out of time. So you're thinking in the offseason, this is what everybody assumed, he was going to be on the Orioles opening day roster. He was going to have a spot in that rotation. And Michael Elias said as much back on February 3rd, so about a week and a half before spring training, on the Orioles' hot stove show, Brendan. Flex. He said, in some ways... This might be a spot for him to lose, so to speak, going into spring training. It appears Grayson Rodriguez has lost that spot. It appears he had the spot in the rotation, and because of a very, very difficult spring training for Grayson Rodriguez, he lost a spot that the Orioles were very much hoping he would have by now. Yeah, and there's a lot that we can talk about here. The first thing that I'm a little surprised by is the spring training numbers themselves. As you mentioned, was not 
a good spring for Grayson Rodriguez. He tosses just over 15 innings, strikes out 19 guys, but allows 12 earned runs, 17 hits, and walks seven guys in those 15 and a third innings pitched. That's not a good spring. On the other hand, it's 15 innings. After you have seen Grayson Rodriguez completely dominate AAA, we have heard all offseason long from Mike Elias that, as you mentioned, this was kind of Grayson Rodriguez's spot to lose. And I suppose there's really nothing else to go on other than spring training leading into the season. And so the command questions that are there with Grayson Rodriguez that weren't really there in AAA, maybe you're thinking that they presented themselves in spring training. But we have a case here of Grayson Rodriguez where it seems like the spring training numbers have determined whether or not he was going to make this opening day roster, whereas there have been some other guys who have been cut, i.e. Franchi Gordero, Jordan Westberg, players like that, where the spring training numbers may have helped them get closer to make the opening day roster, but seemingly did not make the decision. And it seems that for Grayson Rodriguez... The spot on the opening day roster wasn't cemented enough to the point where he could have some bad numbers in spring and you could go, well, it's spring training numbers. It doesn't really make a difference. Because oftentimes with players who are already cemented on the big league roster, you know, Gunnar Henderson didn't have a good spring. But Gunnar Henderson was firmly cemented on the big league roster already. So you just go, ah, well, it's spring training. Who cares? He's going to be fine once opening day rolls around. Grayson Rodriguez, on the other hand, doesn't get that treatment. Well, I will say there's a lot more that goes into it than the numbers. Right. Than just the statistics in those 15 and the third innings. I mean, Michael Elias said as much yesterday. And there, there was a reason if we were to make that comparison to Cordero, he had to overcome the hurdle of not being on the 40-man roster. Yep. And not having played with that team last year, not having any experience in the organization, having carrying the baggage of struggling last year for Boston and in all of his previous 219 or whatever games in the big leagues. And he had to be better than Taron Vavra, who also, by the way, had an excellent spring and was somebody that the Orioles have some high hopes for, I think. So there are a million things that go into every decision. And Grayson Rodriguez's difficult springs numerically don't, weren't the only determining factor in him not making the team. So I do think they were definitely a factor. They, they look at the numbers, but I don't think there was some magic, you know, equation here that would have allowed Grayson Rodriguez to make the roster just based off of how many earned runs, how many strikeouts. It's not like the Orioles had benchmarks and said, you have to get at least 23 strikeouts. You have to walk fewer than seven guys. It's clear the Orioles didn't like a lot of the other stuff that was that he was showing in those starts. Right. Um, you know, he was at the command issues at times were showing themselves something that he had really never struggled with in AAA before. And he was competing against Tyler Wells, who also did not have a very yeah. good spring. So Tyler Wells allowed 10 earned runs, struck out 16, gave up two homers, walked two in 15 and two-thirds innings. I think the walks might have been what again. There are a bunch of factors that go into this decision, but seven walks compared to two walks, it's a large difference. And I think the Orioles have much more faith in Tyler Wells' ability to command a baseball right now than they do in Grayson Rodriguez's. Yeah, and when you look at those numbers, as you mentioned, Tyler Wells did not have a good spring. 
Grayson Rodriguez struck out more guys, allowed fewer hits, but Grayson walked Rodriguez more. walked seven guys and yeah. Tyler Wells only walked two. And when you were comparing those two specifically, it seems like the number five spot in the rotation was down to Tyler Wells and Grayson Rodriguez. That was the ultimate decision. And Tyler Wells was already established at the big league level. Yeah. And if you are, if all things are equal between Grayson Rodriguez and Tyler Wells with their spring numbers, because their spring numbers are pretty close outside of the walks, Tyler Wells in 2022 had a 425 ERA, a whip just over 1.1. He was already an established big league starter. Yeah. And Grayson Rodriguez does not have any big league action under his belt at this point. But, you know, to say that Tyler Wells really outperformed Grayson Rodriguez in spring training, I think the numbers are pretty close. The walk numbers are really the biggest difference. And as you mentioned, Grayson Rodriguez, the walk numbers are too high, and he wasn't really able to get through the lineup a second time. He yeah. was having a hard time getting through the fourth inning of his spring training starts. Yeah. And as much as we like Grayson Rodriguez and think that he is going to be fantastic as a top 10 prospect in all of baseball, I think we were both expecting him to come to spring training and just take the number five spot and absolutely run with it. And that's what the Orioles were expecting. Right. I mean, that's Michael Elias said as much yesterday. He said they were hoping for a better version of Grayson Rodriguez better version of himself than the the one that they saw in spring training. And the, the other thing is, the longer that spring training was going on, the more starts we were seeing, the less tight, <laughs> the looser Grayson Rodriguez's hold on that fifth spot appeared to be. I mean, we were both surprised, I think you could say, when this news came out yesterday yep. before the game. But we were talking about this a week ago, and saying it was a possibility. It was at least on the table. Whereas five, six weeks ago, I don't think any of us, neither of us were even considering this to be a remote possibility. But the more starts and the larger the sample size got, the less likely it became that Grayson Rodriguez was going to make the opening day roster. And especially because he was trending downwards in his last couple starts. His last start was probably his worst start of the spring. Gave up five earned runs. Didn't walk a whole lot of guys. I think he only walked two in five innings against the Tigers. Started out spring great. His first start, two hitless innings. Walked one guy. Very first start of the spring, you're thinking, this guy's got it. Yep. He's going to take this spot. But as the longer that spring training went on, the less and less likely it became that he was going to make that opening day roster. Yeah, I think we both kept waiting for the start where Grayson Rodriguez would just kind of dominate. Yeah. And show what he has shown throughout the last bunch of years in the minor leagues. And he didn't really have that start in spring training. And I think you can make a lot of different arguments there in terms of the fact that if we're not worried about spring training numbers, maybe Grayson Rodriguez was not all that concerned with his spring training numbers. We have heard from other pitchers throughout spring training that those starts are more about tweaking things. They're more about getting things the exact way that you want them in preparation for opening day. I mean, we saw Kyle Bradish have an absolute blow-up start, and he just kind of went, yeah, you know, I, I was adjusting my hand placement a little bit. It right. got me a little bit off balance. I was trying this. I was trying that. And it's unfortunate that we now have to look back at Grayson Rodriguez's spring training numbers, knowing that the numbers weren't really what he was going for in those starts. And yes, there are a lot more things, you know, working against him in this decision outside of just the numbers. But 
it is hard to look at those numbers and say, well, you know, he was walking too many guys, he was doing this, he was doing that, when the ultimate goal of spring training starts sometimes isn't to put up the best numbers and, and win games. It's maybe you're tweaking things. Maybe you're working on things mechanically, but it's the 15 innings that we have to work with. Well, also, Bradish has the latitude because he was a big league starter last right. year. Right. I mean, the older you get, the more experience you get in the big leagues, the less spring training stats matter. Grayson Rodriguez didn't have any big league numbers with which to go. He had no, you know, sample size at the big leagues to fall back upon. Kyle Bradish does. And Kyle Bradish was never going to not make this rotation. So he had the assurance, he had the safety of being able to work on things in spring training. Grayson Rodriguez didn't have that latitude. So maybe he was working on stuff, but the Orioles clearly wanted him to show that he could actually retire big league hitters. Right. Because he hadn't shown it yet. Kyle Bradish has shown it plenty. The older you get, the more latitude you have in spring. Grayson Rodriguez came in with not nearly as much slack than as some of the other guys on this list. It's clear Tyler Wells had more slack than Grayson Rodriguez did. Yeah, which I think is maybe a little bit surprising. I think Grayson Rodriguez, at least I was expecting, you know, this move isn't a complete shocker given the numbers, but I, I think it's still pretty surprising. I think I was assuming that Grayson Rodriguez would have a little bit more of that latitude. As you mentioned, last year, he was very, very close to a big league promotion. If Grayson Rodriguez had not been hurt, he's probably pitching every five days on this team in, what, June last year? Yeah. So it, he was right there already. And I think my question now becomes, Paul, what does Grayson Rodriguez need to do for however many games he gets at AAA Norfolk? What does he need to do that he hasn't already done that would convince you that he is ready for the big leagues. I because think, last year he pitches a, a 2.20 ERA over 14 starts in AAA Norfolk, strikes out 13 batters per nine innings, isn't walking a lot of guys. Is it just you give Grayson Rodriguez two or three starts where he only walks a batter or two, and you say, all right, you're good? I think it's more the same. I think you just have to see more of the same from what you saw from him last year. I think that's that's really all you need. He doesn't need to be better than he was last year. If he repeats the same or similar numbers to what he put up in the first couple of months of the year last year, and even in those final three starts with Norfolk after he came back from injury, I think that's enough. The problem is he now has to overcome the hurdle of taking somebody's spot in the rotation. Right. If the Orioles have five good starters to start the year and all five of these guys are excellent, it's not a problem. I mean, maybe fans, some fans will be clamoring for Grayson Rodriguez, but it's hard to comp complain with success. Sure. So if the Orioles have five good starters out there and there's nobody in there that deserves a demotion or deserves to be bumped to the bullpen, you can't really complain. The problem is which one of these guys has to struggle for Grayson Rodriguez to get a shot. And I think it's probably, it, it, it can't be Kyle Gibson because he was given $10 million. So even if Kyle Gibson comes out of the gate and he struggles, you're not necessarily going to give... Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Gibson's spot in the rotation because Kyle Gibson has the built-in insurance of having a guaranteed one-year contract for $10 million. The Orioles want to keep him on the roster. They want to keep him starting games yep. for as long as possible. Cole Ir Irvin, I know the Orioles didn't sign him in free agency, but they went out and they acquired him via trade. They have something invested in him. 
they're probably not going to want to put him in the bullpen either, even if he struggles to start the year. It's Kyle Branish they have a lot invested in as a young guy. They want to see him take a leap this year. It's probably got to be Tyler Wells or maybe Dean Kramer. Yep. If one of those two guys struggles and Grayson Rodriguez just does more of what he did last year, I think that's his opportunity. That's barring injury. Injury is is still the most likely thing to take out a starting pitcher, and it's unfortunate, but odds are you're going to... And, and Michael Elias acknowledged it yesterday. He said, we're going to need Grayson. We're going to need D.L. Hall. We're going to need Bruce Zimmerman. We're going to need Spencer Watkins and Austin both to start games probably this year. Yeah. Because no team goes through the entire season with five starting pitchers. So injuries will occur. Grayson Rodriguez will get his shot this year. And I think all he needs to do is more of what he did last year. I agree. However, I I know that you were not lumping them together and Michael Elias was not lumping them together. Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, I think, need to be... Grayson Rodriguez especially are in a different conversation than Spencer Watkins and Bruce Zimmerman. No, absolutely. I, I, I'm not saying they're the same caliber of pitcher. I'm saying the Orioles are going to need as many arms as they can get right? because we're not going to get to a spot. It's it's There's almost a 0% chance we're going to get to August and be like, boy, all five starting pitchers have been perfectly healthy and productive. It just doesn't happen. It, it just doesn't happen in, in the big leagues. The season is too long. Injuries are too common. So my point was only that the Orioles are going to need Grayson and D.L. Hall and probably Austin Voth or Spencer Watkins. They're going right. to need more than just Grayson Rodriguez. I think my question now just becomes, after already seeing 14 starts of dominance at AAA Norfolk from Grayson Rodriguez, how many starts do we need from him at AAA Norfolk before we go, all right, come on. Yeah, you know, like he was, he was already there last year in June. He was ready for his big league debut. I understand that he had 15 innings of struggles here in spring training, but if Grayson Rodriguez goes down to Norfolk and just completely dominates for the entire month of April, even if Tyler Wells has an ERA of, you know, just over four or four and a half like he did last year, I mean, Tyler Wells' ERA last year was a 425 in 23 starts, and he was pretty solid. But if Grayson Rodriguez has an ERA of two with 13 strikeouts per nine, in four or five starts at AAA Norfolk, I, I I can't see Grayson Rodriguez being down in AAA for more than four or five starts. How he doesn't m- need any, really. Well, one, I, I think the Orioles have different benchmarks than just stats, again. Sure. They want to see different kinds of things. They want to see those, whatever command issues showed themselves in spring training, they want to see those fixed. So, they again, it's not like they need to say, we need you to have an ERA under two, and we need you to have X number of strikeouts. They're right. looking for different benchmarks, different barometers of success. And two, how many times do we say, do we have these conversations and things work themselves out? You know, things, injuries, whatever are going to happen. So I just don't think this is a conversation we're going to be having in mid-May. I mean, we could it, be. It can't be. We could be, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think something is going to give for Grayson Rodriguez to make this rotation. And I think it's going to be natural causes. I think it's going to be injuries, or I think it's going to be somebody is so not fit, somebody is so struggling in the rotation that it just makes sense for Grayson Rodriguez to get the call up. I agree. I I don't think it's possible that we can be having this conversation in mid-May because, again, I, I understand that injuries happen, somebody might struggle. I think regardless, Paul, Grayson Rodriguez is arguably the best pitching prospect in all of baseball. 
We've talked about D.L. Hall a lot on this podcast. I know that conversation is a little bit different where, you know, he's still a top 100 prospect, but he isn't banging down the door as much as he you were hoping that D.L. Hall would be at this point. He looked excellent in the bullpen last year. You need to see what D.L. Hall can do as a starter at AAA Norfolk, and then you can go from there. Grayson Rodriguez already has a pretty solid track record of success at AAA, and he is arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball. I think regardless of what the starting rotation is doing at the big leagues, Grayson Rodriguez has shown outside of these 15 innings, 15 innings in spring training that he is ready to go. And, and I would be very surprised if he gets more than just a handful of starts at AAA Norfolk because he doesn't really have anything to prove. It's just, okay, you had some question marks in spring training. Go answer those question marks for a few starts in AAA and then come back up, and you got to make room for him every five days. I also think, though, the Orioles will be more than fine with the five that they have right now. I think that whoever, let's say, you know, it is Tyler Wells, because that's what the Orioles have said. Tyler Wells, it was Tyler Wells, and it was Grayson Rodriguez for that last spot. What are the odds that Grace, let's say it's five or six starts, that Grayson Rodriguez starts in the minors and Tyler Wells starts in the majors? What are the odds that Grayson Rodriguez puts would have put up a better ERA than Tyler Wells? It's yeah, impossible to answer. Yeah. But how many times do we see rookie pitchers come out, no matter how good they are, and struggle to start the season? Right. To struggle to start their big league careers. The Orioles feel good about this starting five right now, and that's what Michael Elias said. For the first five games of the season, that's all they're looking at. If they feel much worse about this in a week or two, then they can reevaluate. But I think they feel good about giving Tyler Wells the ball in the fifth game of the season against Texas. They feel just as good about that than they would if they were giving Grayson Rodriguez the ball because of what they've seen from Tyler Wells. Yeah. So if they take it on a case-by-case basis, they take it on a, a week-by-week basis with this rotation, that's all they're looking at. And Grayson Rodriguez, I think no matter when he comes up, He's going to hit some speed bumps. I don't think he's going to come out and and absolutely dominate and be Randy Johnson on for the first, you know, 6 months of his career. So, the Orioles feel good about this right now. They want to win as many games as possible. And how many times have we said on this podcast, they can't afford to start out the season this year like they did last year. They have to hit the ground running. They can't rely on a 10 game win streak, 13 game win streak in the middle of the season and getting hot at the right time. They have to be good, five play 500 or better baseball in April, and 500 or better baseball in May, every month of the season. They can't afford to have a down month this year, and right. they feel like to start the year, Tyler Wells gives them a better start. Yeah, and Tyler Wells was solid last year. As I mentioned, he had some great starts. There was a point early on last year where Ty- Tyler Wells seemed like the most consistent Orioles starter in the rotation. So it's not like Grayson Rodriguez loses this spot to somebody without any big league experience, somebody that the Orioles don't have any faith in whatsoever. Tyler Wells is a pretty solid number five starter. But the ceiling of Grayson Rodriguez is undeniable. Ceiling, absolutely. And right. and that's something the Orioles haven't denied. I mean, it's entirely possible that, you know, he has a better season than Tyler Wells at the big leagues. And that he, it's likely, I think, that he has a better career than Tyler Wells. But the Orioles are trying to win games right now. Yep. That's that's the frustrating part. And when they're turning the, the page from trying to develop young guys and trying to get these guys' feet wet 
and they're trying to do that while also trying to win games. That's the tough balancing act. That's the high wire act that the Orioles have to deal with. The other pitcher I want to ask about, D.L. Hall, because now you have both Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, your two top pitching prospects in the minor leagues right now. Which one of these guys is going to get called up first? It has to be Grayson. Grayson has the proven track record of success at AAA Norfolk. As I mentioned, 14 games last year, a 2.20 ERA, struck out 13 batters per nine innings across a few levels of the minor leagues last year. He is closer to the big leagues as a starter than D.L. Hall is. D.L. Hall was great out of the bullpen at the back half of last year. You know, as we've mentioned on this podcast, had the final eight innings or so, had the big save in New York. D.L. Hall can strike out big league batters as a reliever. We need to see him do it as a starter. We need to see him do it as a starter at AAA Norfolk. Had just a 470 ERA at AAA last year. So we need to see D.L. Hall with some consistency as a starter at AAA before he gets called up. I think Grayson Rodriguez is the next call. It's possible D.L. Hall is the one right after him. I'm glad you added the caveat as a starter because D.L. Hall got called up before Grayson Rodriguez last year. Now, I think Grayson Rodriguez, had he been healthy, would have gotten called up before D.L. Hall last year. But D.L. Hall already has some big league experience. It's clear the Orioles want to make him a starter. But I think it's interesting now that the log jam deepens by having Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall both in the Norfolk rotation and both trying to get called up to the big leagues. I don't know who's going to get called up first. I think it's going to be Grayson. But I also think there's a chance that D.L. Hall dominates AAA competition. We've Yes, I, I think there's a possibility of that as well. We haven't seen but it But that's yet. also what Grayson has already done. Right, we haven't seen it yet from D.L. Hall. I think Hall. they both could. I mean, they're both... Not that they're getting old by any stretch, but Grayson Rodriguez is entering his age 23 season. D.L. Hall already has some big league experience. This is the time that they should absolutely dominate Triple Hall is entering his age 24 season. Right. Hall was drafted a year before. Right. These aren't the 20-year-olds in the Orioles system anymore. No. This is the year for Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall to establish themselves in the big league rotation. For both of them, yeah. Right. And and if Grayson is one, then D.L. is 1A. I yes. mean, just in terms of importance in this organization and in terms of importance in the in the farm system. All right, so we have our starting five. We have the five guys in our rotation in Kyle Gibson, Dean Kramer, Cole Irvin, Kyle Brandish, and Tyler Wells. Yeah. We have that. We pretty much have a good look at the bullpen now as well. And the Orioles made a trade to assist in that bullpen by trading cash considerations. Again, on the move, those cash considerations. Yeah. Hit for, well last year, though. I'm a little it, surprised. I was a little, too. I wasn't yeah. expecting a DFA there. Uh, for lefty Danny Coulomb, 33 years old, somebody who did not pitch a whole lot in the big leagues last year, left hip impingement, kept him out, and he was transferred to the 60-day IL in July. Uh, in his, Over the course of his career, 194 games, Brendan pitched for the Dodgers, Oakland, Minnesota, 3.92 ERA, 8.4 Ks per nine. Clearly, the Orioles, after losing Dylan Tate, after losing, seemingly, Michael Gibbons, after DFAing Andrew Politi, didn't feel great about the guys that they had in their bullpen to start the year, and they wanted to bolster it. Yeah, and Coulomb gives you big league experience. As you mentioned, 194 big league games where he has that career 392 ERA. And if Coulomb wasn't in this bullpen you would be left with a lot of options just 
kind of without any sort of big league experience. I think if Coulomb doesn't make this roster, isn't on this roster period, you're probably going with Nick Vespi as another left-handed option. I like Nick Vespi a lot. I think he has some pretty good upside, but Nick Vespi doesn't have a ton of big league experience. And when you lose somebody like Michael Givens, somebody like Dylan Tate, you're not only losing two good bullpen arms, you're losing a established bullpen arm with plenty of big league experience. So not only is it is it important on the field, but Danny Kulum also brings an established pedigree at the big leagues to a bullpen that did not have a ton of that. Because even the top arms in this bullpen, Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, they've only had one season of success so far. Yeah. And not that Danny Coulomb is, you know, a, a really established veteran in the big leagues with great numbers across the board wherever he's gone. But he's been around the block. He's pitched in almost 200 big league games. That's important to add to a really young, inexperienced bullpen. And certainly Andrew Politi, who has no big league experience so far to his name, was a Rule 5 draft pick and allowed six earned runs in eight and two-thirds. The Orioles felt a whole lot more comfortable with 33-year-old Danny Coulomb than they would about Andrew Politi coming into games in the month of April, at least. So Politi gets DFA'd. He doesn't make the roster after sticking with the team through the entirety of spring training. And now we're looking at a bullpen. Now, again, two days before opening day, roster cuts, moves happen around the league. The Orioles have said they're not necessarily done. It's also crazy that we're at the end of spring training and Michael Ice hasn't made a major move. We've seen this happen every year, pretty yeah. much, that he's been there. But we're looking at a bullpen that is mostly complete right now. With Givens and Tate not making it due to injury, we're looking at Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, Keegan Aiken, Joey Crable, Brian Baker, Danny Coulomb, Austin Voth, and Mike Bauman. Yeah. A few guys that... I think that's it, right? We were not expecting to make the bullpen. I mean, obviously, Danny Coulomb was a trade. We couldn't have predicted that he would make the Orioles bullpen. Mike Bauman, I think we ruled out kind of too early, Yeah, quite frankly. I mean, some injuries happened. I and think injuries mostly why yeah, we ruled him we, out. We ruled him out if... Everybody was healthy, yeah. but you lose two right-handed bullpen arms in Dylan Tate and Michael Gibbons, and Mike Bauman just kind of the next man up there because right. he is firmly entrenched in the bullpen at this point. You know, maybe Spencer Watkins or Bruce Zimmerman would have gotten the call if a starter had gotten injured, but now that Mike Bauman is firmly a bullpen arm, yeah, that he becomes things. the right-handed pitcher in the bullpen, not Spencer Watkins. Right. We don't have this, obviously, set in stone just yet, but this is what we're looking at. Yeah. And as we've said a million times before, the opening day roster is just that. It's just the roster on Bo in Boston on Thursday. The Orioles can change it as much as they'd like, and they'd like to get some guys back from injury as well. A couple other things I want to touch on before we get out of here, Brendan. Uh, the Orioles made some cuts as well, some releases several days ago, as in released from the organization, not just cut and sent back down to AAA. Yeah. Robert Newstrom, Kevin Smith, Blaine Knight, three big names. Yeah, Robert Newstrom, start with him, just kind of a bummer. I mean, Robert Newstrom, a few years ago, we were surprised that he was not protected from the Rule 5 draft. He was a left-handed power bat at AAA Norfolk that showed some promise and, you know, was hitting long home runs, and we were excited about the potential of Robert Newstrom we were surprised at the big league level. about him not getting added to the 40-man Two years ago. Right. Not last year, just two years yeah, ago. Two yeah, two years ago. We were surprised. We were less surprised last year, but yeah. still a little bit surprised. Robert Newstrom just never really put up 
good enough AAA numbers to make the Orioles' big league roster. He was kind of leapfrogged by guys like Ryan McKenna, Kyle Stowers, is now you know, leapfrogged by a few other guys at the AAA level as well. So, unfortunate he was good minor league depth, but he just never really did enough to make the big leagues. And he got leapfrogged by Colton Kowser as Colton well. Colton Kowser. I yeah. think that's that's the biggest jump there. He took a step back last year offensively, and he never got the call up to the big leagues. There wasn't really need for him at the big leagues last year, uh, and there was just no way you were going to call up Robert Newstrom before you called up Colton Kowser this year. It just wasn't going to happen and so all he was at this point was minor league depth uh so he he unfortunately uh leaves the organization uh and then the other two big names kevin smith yeah we we just talked about those trades we did the miguel castro deal i guess we'll never find out where he spent a lot of his time last year because we we kind of lost track of him as we've said and uh that tale comes to an end so somebody who entered the organization as a top 15 prospect Falls out of the top 30 in terms of Orioles prospect rankings uh, and now is no longer part of the organization. Yeah, bummer. We were excited about Kevin Smith when that Miguel Castro trade happened. He entered the organization, I believe, somewhere in the Orioles' top 15 prospects. I think he was the Mets' 12th ranked prospect when that trade happened. So we were excited about Kevin Smith's potential. Thought he could be a back end of the rotation starter at the big league level as kind of a crafty lefty. And now he falls more so into the category of the Zach Lowthers and Alexander Wells that we never saw get established at the big league level. Didn't see great numbers from them. And Kevin Smith, as you mentioned, dealt with some injuries last season. He was pitching at AAA Norfolk, and then he was just in Bowie, but not pitching, just working with the pitching coaches, not in the rotation. So Kevin Smith goes from a little bit all over the place to not in the organization. Yeah, and then Blaine Knight. Former top pick. I think he was a second-round pick out of Arkansas yep. uh, several years ago. Now, he was a one of the final uh, Dan Duquette-era picks. So that was one of the last picks that Dan Duquette made before ultimately Mike Elias took over. Uh, and he had fallen out of the top 30 quite a while ago, but still somewhat a name that Orioles fans are familiar with just because of where he was drafted several years ago. Yeah, and he was, what, a former top 10 prospect in the organization? Former top prospect for a while, and in a in a much thinner system, right? Much, much, thinner, much thinner system, system, but still high draft pick, one of the Orioles' top prospects, and just never really pans out. Never really had the numbers. Absolutely. Well, Brendan, we are mere days away Whew. from opening day. We got a lot to do over the next couple days. No yeah. sleep till opening day. Uh, at Brendan Morty is his Twitter handle. I am at Paul Mancano. Thanks so much to Amy Jennings and Matt Bonaparte Woo. making his productive production debut today please in the comments let us know what you thought of the job that matt did and be nice be nice Come give on. us give us a thumbs up on youtube give us five stars rate review subscribe anywhere that you get your podcast you can catch the Masson all access podcast we're going to try to keep it pretty consistent throughout the season we may switch days every now and again but we're going to get it to you uh thanks so much for tuning in for brennan mortensen i'm paul mancano happy opening week and we'll catch you next time